1: back to the show and today my guest is Louisa Whitney. Louisa is an accredited family mediator and child inclusive mediator. She's also a professional practicing consultant which is someone who mentors and supervises other mediators and a trainer. She was shortlisted for the Family Law Commentator of the Year in 2021 in the Lexus Nexus Family Law Awards. She's worked as a family lawyer for 11 years before undertaking mediation training. So I am super excited to welcome Louisa Whitney to the show. Welcome, Louisa. Thank you, Sarah. It's lovely to be here. Well, I'm excited, especially for my listeners today, because I know there is... Uh, a lot of confusion around what is mediation, how does it work, what's the difference between mediator and a lawyer. So first of all tell us a little bit about the work that you do as a mediator Louisa. Okay so
2: my background is that I was a family lawyer and then I trained as a mediator so I have been both a lawyer and a mediator, but I now only work as a mediator. And the role of mediators is to be impartial. So we're not like lawyers who advise one client or prioritise that client's need. And we bring the separating couple together, if it's safe and suitable to do so, to talk about what happens next and to guide and inform their discussion so that they can find a resolution that, that will work for both of them.
1: So if for people listening, they're thinking, I'm about to go down the divorce process, do I need a divorce lawyer or can I just come straight to a mediator? You can
2: definitely come straight to a mediator. And what I think is really interesting is that in the time that I've been running my mediation practice since 2013, lots more people come to mediation directly. It can help to get legal advice to ensure that you feel comfortable with decisions you're making. You're confident in them, but you don't need to have gone to a lawyer first to come to mediation.
1: Okay, that's interesting because I, I think you know, a lot of people don't know what they're legally entitled to. So, a lot of people might, you know, we're not lawyers, right? So, we get thrown into this world of divorce, which is very intimidating and confusing a lot of the time. Um, and we might think, oh, well, you know, it's 50 50, or I might, well, I should be able to get this because I had it before, or there's lots of, or I earn more, or I earn less. So, you know, for people to get clarity on what they're legally entitled to, can a mediator help with that?
2: It's a really good point, Sarah. And honestly, if I had a pound for every time someone said to me, I'm not sure what I would be doing, I'd probably be retired on a desert island or something. The system is not fathomable. It's not often user friendly. So it's completely understandable that people would be utterly baffled by what is their next step. So, mediators can give information, we can explain processes, we can explain different things that a court might take into account, not because people are going to court but because that's kind of our ultimate authority. We can't give legal advice so we can't say this is best for you that's what we should do, but we can explain the kind of things that people need to be thinking about. For example, in any resolution, both parties are going to need to be housed. They're going to need to be able to pay their bills because otherwise it's unworkable. Um, And so we can explain those kind of things as well as the factors that are relevant in determining what is the right split of assets, the things that people need to give some thought to.
1: So would you be able to look at somebody's personal situation and say, well, this would be a fair, reasonable solution? Essentially, we would tell
2: somebody if they were trying to arrive at a resolution that would be outside of what a court would approve, because there is no point people investing time and energy and money in mediation, if they can't ultimately formalise that, that would be a complete waste of their time. And if people are wanting to put something in place that would be approved by a court, then they're in the right ballpark and one of the advantages of mediation is that you can put in place and talk about arrangements that are going to work best for you so you can take into account what are your priorities what are your objective what's important to you rather than having somebody impose a solution upon you and say oh you know this is what you should do this is best for you because you can take two separating couples that on the face of it might look similar say similar assets similar numbers of children but one might have a priority that they really want to stay in the home because that's important for the children. But the other people may say, actually, we want to make things as affordable as possible. Staying in the home is not our priority. So we can really focus in on what is the priority of those people that are in mediation.
1: Yeah, I think that's important. I guess it's it's worth explaining how the mediation process actually works, because I think you have an initial meeting, don't you? And then it goes on where you're actually in the same room with the person you're divorcing. So explain for people who have not been through the process how, how it works, Lisa.
2: Okay, so my starting point is always sending out information to clients because you can't make informed decisions unless you've got information. And it also gives them the forms they need to start the mediation process. The next step is that each party meets with a mediator on their own and that is really really important because a mediator cannot assess whether mediation is suitable or safe or it's not going to adversely affect anybody's well-being without having had those initial meetings and each person needs to be on their own so that they're free to share information and to speak openly and honestly with the mediator. Those initial meetings are called MIAMS meetings which some of your listeners may have heard about Um, It's something that people often ring me up and say, I need this, I have no idea what it is. So a MIAMS is a mediation information and assessment meeting, and for a few years now there's been a requirement that anybody wanting to commence a court application has a MIAMS meeting first. And that is because the government essentially want to encourage people to resolve their own disputes, if at all possible, without using the court system. There are some exceptions to the MIAMs rule, and that is for people where there is urgency for a particular reason or where people have been a victim of domestic abuse. They may well be exempt from that requirement. I think it's important to say the initial meetings are really about just finding out what is the right way forward for you. So I would get background information from clients and as well as explaining what happens in mediation, I will also explain all of the processes that exist to help people resolve issues because it is about providing information it's not about mediation and quite often I will flag something that might be of use to the person you know whether that's a book or a podcast or some information on a website and so those information meetings are not just about get you into mediation they're really about let's look at your situation what's going to be best and the mediator will then be able to do the assessment from information the parties have provided as to whether mediation is safe or suitable.
1: And you use the word safe or suitable, or you know, to make sure it doesn't adversely affect your well-being. Tell us a little bit about that, and what circumstances would mediation not be right for you? Okay, so. The main thing that I look for is where mediation,
2: bringing two people together, would have an adverse effect either on someone's safety, their physical safety, and that would be particularly important where there has been um, incidents of physical violence or something like that but also where it might adversely affect someone's well-being. What I mean by that is, is one person really afraid of coming into mediation? Do they have really serious concerns about not being able to participate in the process because perhaps they feel too anxious being in the same room as their ex-partner? Perhaps they feel they just wouldn't be able to make themselves heard or understood. We'll be exploring all of those kind of things to see whether they could be brought together in an effective process either in the same room or perhaps in separate rooms. And it's those kind of things that I'm really asking about to see what the situation is.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I I'm the patron of a domestic abuse charity called the dash charity. And yeah, I myself, you know, came out of a very toxic relationship and I was advised to go to mediation. And I explained some of these things to the mediator who said, oh, don't worry, you know, there wouldn't be any bullying in my, in my room. But there was, and it was very difficult for me and very emotionally disturbing. Now, I'll be, this was 12 years ago, so it was a long time ago, and probably before domestic abuse awareness is at the level, obviously, that it's at now. But again, it's not just physical, it's also emotional. And, you know, being in the same room as an abuser, you know, the victim of abuse can be impacted just by a look, which obviously a mediator wouldn't pick up on, Um, and couldn't be expected to in a lot of cases. You know, you guys aren't experts in domestic abuse, but what kind of training do you have? And is there any compulsory training just to ensure that there's a level of understanding with mediators so that you can at least have a, a go at spotting some of those signs, given the fact that a lot of victims of abuse won't even know they're
3: in an abusive relationship to start with. Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious. If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again.
2: Yeah, and I think that's really key. You know, often people realise they've been a victim of abuse where there has been physical abuse, although I have to say I have dealt with clients as a lawyer who weren't, who just thought it was normal, they didn't necessarily see it as abuse. But you're quite right. People often don't realise they've been victims of abuse where the abuse has been emotional or financial. As part of the Mediation Foundation training, there is training on screening. Um, But my own view is that any initial training is always something that you build on. And it's important to develop your skills and understanding because this is a very tricky area. So I have undertaken various forms of domestic abuse training in the 10 years I've been a mediator and I really work with how each person feels. So if you're in court talking about abuse, a judge is going to make findings of facts on what happened with a schedule and those kind of things. In mediation, I work with how people feel. Feelings are valid. If someone is, um, afraid to be sitting there or they feel that they are not going to be understood or they're worried about a particular aspect of what might happen. Those are all valid and I look at them and talk about them and what we're really trying to understand is could this be an effective process and if it can't be an effective process or someone would be so anxious that they couldn't make themselves heard or understood their mediation may well not be suitable we might look at whether if people could be in separate rooms and not see each other, that might help. Um, but it's always best to be cautious in these situations because people's feelings are very valid. And if they feel afraid of their ex-partner or they feel undermined by them, those feelings come from a place and they're not
1: to be ignored. I love that you say that, Louisa, because, you know, having stood in front of many judges over the years and have been supported clients through that as well, um, you know, having to prove and produce evidence of maybe coercive controlling behavior, emotional abuse, is incredibly difficult. Um, So yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on and that's where you know domestic abuse charities can be a big support as well because they will believe you and they will listen to how you feel, so I think that's very reassuring to, to hear. So you mentioned that there are, you know, there's there are different ways of doing mediation. So obviously there's they're in the room together, which if it was a toxic relationship, it may not be the right thing, or maybe you just don't want to be in the room with your ex for for whatever reason. What are the other um, options that you have with mediation?
2: So you can do what's called shuttle mediation, which is where you are in completely separate rooms in the same building and the mediator goes between the two of you. So As a mediator, I'm still facilitating discussion, talking about options with both parties, but they're not hearing what each other are saying, they are in different rooms. Um, And that can be a really helpful option for people who want to mediate because they want to take advantages of some of the benefits of mediation, but they just feel it wouldn't work if they're in the same room as their ex-partner for a variety of reasons. There's also hybrid mediation, which is a, a probably a newer option. And that's where mediation still takes place, but solicitors are involved. And again, that can just add a level of protection for somebody to know that their lawyer's there. They can access advice during the day. They've got somebody who understands their situation and the mediation takes place. It's a bit more akin to a civil mediation model whereby each party is separately with their lawyers and the mediator works between the two of them. It's often done over a much shorter time span. So you could just have a day or you might have it two half days rather than it being meetings where if both parties are present, they're likely to be shorter because you don't want to feel worn down by the process.
1: Yeah, and I think those options are good because it enables you to have a little bit of choice. Um, is there is there a difference between whether it's legally binding or not because if you go to the first option we we're talking about we're all around the table if someone changed their mind afterwards it wouldn't be legally binding if you've got all the lawyers in you're paying for their time and you come up with a solution is that any different
2: That's a great question, Sarah. I think it's something people worry about. So anything you talk about in mediation is not legally binding until you get to the point where you think, right, this is what is going to work for us. And then you can look at how you formalise that. But nothing up until that point is legally binding. And that means that people can explore options that might not be their best option or something they might not be particularly sold on because there's no risk that their ex-partner can say "Look, you talked about this in mediation. You've got to stick to it now. It is only binding at the point that both parties choose that they're going to make it binding.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a good thing to know, because you're know, obviously getting into this process is a lot of cost anyway. And you want to know that you're getting the best advice and it's putting you in the right Place to make the best decisions. Um, what are your feelings about the family court system, Louisa? Right now, I mean, today is a is a is a historic day. It's no fault divorce day, the day that we're recording this, which you know is is I think very important in the UK. We're removing blame. You don't have to put blame down now when you file for divorce. And in the past, you've had to either it was you know adultery or unreasonable behaviour, desertion. You had to come up with a reason. You couldn't say we've just grown apart or it's fizzled out over time or we're better off as friends. You know, none of that. There was no box to tick for that. So I think it's a positive thing to to remove the blame, but what, what's your opinion on both no fault divorce and and the current system that we, we operate with, with the family courts.
2: I a hundred percent agree with you about no fault divorce. I think from my perspective as a mediator too often, I've seen people make really courageous progress in sessions about what arrangements are we going to make for our children or how are we are going to sort the finances? And then they have to start talking about the divorce process. And if they hadn't been separated for two years, then it would be, Well, whose fault are we going to make it or what allegations are we going to use? And it inevitably ended up being rehashing reasons why the relationship had broken down. So to remove that step, I think, is a very good thing. I think it will undoubtedly benefit separating couples. I think lots of separating couples will like the fact they can petition jointly rather than it being one person again. So I definitely think that's an important and powerful step that's long overdue. The family court system. I mean... Uh, When I made the move to being a mediator full time, the way that I described it to people was that my work as a lawyer was basically helping people to put out fires they'd started. But as a mediator, I was teaching them how to avoid starting the fire in the first place, because that is absolutely what it felt like. I think there are problems in the court system we all know about. There aren't enough judges at the moment. There's massive delays. They have these systems whereby two hearings are listed on the same day. So you can end up with a hearing that you've psyched yourself up for um, being cancelled at the last minute, which I think is soul destroying when you've gone through that process of preparing. There's also expenses involved. The fact is that it is a system that is groaning under the weight of people using it. I would like to see the court only being used for people that really need that protection, that are vulnerable for some reason, that need protection against abuse or where there are particular issues that warrant the court. And for other couples to be using different ways forward to enable them to resolve issues under their own steam with support from different professionals. I think it's just it's unsatisfactory at the moment I don't think anybody using the court system comes out of it going yeah that was brilliant it's just a means to an end and you know having dealt with clients where there's no rooms available at court and you've got to take instructions from a client in a you know hallway somewhere try and avoid their ex being able to listen in it is not a nice system to be a part of it's almost inevitably more stressful Um, And I, you know, I genuinely believe there has to be a better way for most people.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think your language is probably more tame than mine about how (laughs) archaic and absolutely destructive the family court system is. Um, Having to pick up the pieces and, and to coach people through that process and having been through it myself, I know how traumatic it can be. Um, and the Safe Life report that came out saying that I think it was over 30 percent of victims of abuse were re-traumatized going through that court system just because of the, you know, the, the belief systems and the lack of training in domestic abuse and the way the system is so antagonistic and aggressive. Um, you know, it's, it's a very difficult process if you're going through even a healthy relationship breakdown, let alone a toxic one. So, you know, I, I you know, casino is probably a better word than court in a lot of those cases. And I struggle with clients because if you are divorcing a toxic partner, usually they are going to be hell-bent on annihilation, which is going to mean that mediation is not going to be an option, or you can waste time in mediation for them just to throw it out the window because they want their day in court, because they want to prolong the suffering. Um, And I think that that means that a lot of people get dragged into that family court process because they don't see another option I'm hoping, though, that this new hybrid mediation, I'm saying new, it's something that's really only recently come to sort of mass awareness. I know it's been around for a year or so now, but you know, do you think that hybrid could be a, a more positive solution for people coming out of toxic relationships to protect them against the emotional trauma of the actual family court system? Definitely, and I'm a big believer that, we
2: need options that work for people. So that's why we can't possibly have a one-size-fits-all approach to separation. And if there is a particular group of people that aren't being served by a system, we need to look at ways where they can be better served. So my view is that hybrid mediation is a really important step forward where both parties have legal representation, but they're able to come together and discuss what happens next. It can be a good way of offering someone who feels more vulnerable protection, but also ensuring it's a constructive process because lawyers are involved and because a mediator is involved so that they can properly problem solve and find a way forward that can then be implemented
1: yeah so fingers crossed there is a light at the end of the tunnel there um another option other than the family casino oops i'm in court so yes i think that's that's going to be good um so okay if people want to find out more about you louisa where can they find you
2: Well, my mediation practice is LKW Family Mediation. So the website's a good place to start. We have over 200 blogs on the website on all aspects of separation. Also a big fan of social media. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of the usual places. And I have some free downloads that people can access as well, particularly where they're getting involved in continual fights or where they're struggling to make the decision whether to separate. Um, I'm a big believer in trying to... Put information out there for people that can't necessarily afford lawyers' or mediators' fees at the current time.
1: Great. So just repeat your website for us there so everyone can make sure they've got that.
2: The website is www.lkwfamilymediation.co.uk.
1: Brilliant. And one last question for you, Louisa, that I ask all my guests. Now, my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness, and I do think it's really important to know what happiness is for you so that you can tap into it along the way, even if you're being dragged through a difficult divorce process. So what is happiness for you, Louisa? I would say
2: the most important parts of happiness for me are really feeling peaceful and contented when you know that you are relaxed and you're doing stuff that lights you up and you just feel good about life. To me, that's what happiness is.
1: Oh, a lovely answer well thank you so much for your time and for being a fabulous guest thank you so much for having me that's it for today's episode do head on over to www.lkwfamilymediation.co.uk to find out more about louisa and her work and i look forward to you joining me on my next episode
0: that's it for today's episode of heartbreak to happiness don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sarah's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreak to happiness podcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sarah's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of heartbreak to happiness.